Welcome to Gatekeeper, a podcast about booking from the bookers and gatekeepers who decide who's in, who's out. Also, there's other stuff. And now, your host of Gatekeeper, artistic director of the Hollywood Improv, Jamie Flam. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Gatekeeper. I am the Gatekeeper, Jamie Flam. I'm going to put a cool effect right. over that. Sounds good. Um, for this first episode, I thought it would be perfect to invite the talent coordinator at the comedy store, Adam Egget. And the comedy store right now is going through its own renaissance and... Adam and I have a lot in common. We've both kind of been thrown into the fire of the world of club booking. And he was very open about the challenges that he's faced and continues to face. And as different as our clubs are, we still deal with a lot of the same politics, the same egos, and at the same time experience the same victories and joys of this comedy world that we live in. So I think he's the perfect first guest. I'm excited. We had a great conversation. This took place back in December when we first started recording these episodes. So I think comedians and everyone else should get a lot out of it. And I hope you enjoy. Gatekeeper. This is our first show, and um, I'm really excited. Our first guest, uh, it was a get, an e-get. <laughs> I just came up with it right now. Um, I'm joined right now by the talent coordinator at the comedy store, the world-famous comedy store, Adam Eget, who uh, is also, do you still do the co-host with Norm MacDonald? No, we're, I mean, we're working on a sizzle reel still, so. Awesome. He's busy, he's finishing his book, yeah. and he's got, you know, he's busy being the colonel, so. I love it. And um, oh, yeah, he's literally the, the... He's the colonel now. KFC, yeah. KFC. Yeah. Wow, that's a big... That's yeah, a big I one. almost wonder if he got it from the show because he, we, we we had a few... It was almost a running gag where he yeah, he gained a lot of weight, uh, weight and in the beginning of the shows would just be eating a giant bucket, a, a bucket of KFC chicken. So I'm almost... I'm assuming someone must yeah, have yeah, seen must that. Um, but yeah. Would you join him with the, the chicken? Oh yeah, I, I did some. Well, I think I was at a, on a diet at that point, but yeah, I've been known to. I recently Dive into a bucket meat, though. Yeah, completely. Uh, yeah, just fish. You only eat fish. Just fish. You're a pescatarian. Yeah, fish and, yeah pescatarian. They we're getting to the stuff that I thought we were only going to get to like forty five yeah, minutes. Yeah, we can save in. this for episode three or four. Absolutely. Um, you're also in Joe Dirt too. But yeah, very briefly. That was fun. <laughs> it was a fun experience. Awesome. So. Um, well, welcome. Welcome to the first episode Thanks for of having Gatekeeper. Me. Yeah, yeah, you know, anything for you, Jamie. Love you. And as I said before the show, like the, the, the purpose of this podcast is to talk to other bookers, people in positions where they're, they're booking people for all sorts of stuff, and kind of demystify it a little bit, um, get into the nitty gritty. It's a great idea. And, um, you know, our job is insane. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And as you were just saying, being able to point to something that, because, you know, we're, we're approached by comics and by the industry all the time. Yeah. And to, to be able to kind of talk about these things in a way that they can consume it very easily. So I guess the first question I have for you is, you've been booking for like a year now? Uh, yeah, uh, just I think just over a year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe it's been just over a year. Maybe in October it was a year. Uh, yeah, you, just sort of thrown into this, you know? T- t- tell us how you got there. Uh, I used to, um, I was a... a Worked at the Tempe Improv in mm-hmm. Arizona. That's how I uh, met Paige. Paige is one of our managers. Yes. At, at um, I worked over there uh, for about seven years. I, I used to manage the improv. And then I, I'm, I'm originally from Los Angeles. I moved back home to Los Angeles. And a friend of mine um, told me that they, uh, they, they were looking for a manager at the comedy store. And I, um, I wasn't even thinking about it, frankly. Uh, and it just sort of happened. They wanted to meet with me and I went in for an interview and I, and I was hired as a, initially as an assistant manager. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, about a year and a half later, I became technically, I mean, the, the general manager, uh, only in duties, not by, I don't think I ever officially got the title. They always had some strange titles, but I, I did everything. I uh, ordered literally everything. Um, I worked there. I would virtually lived at the store. And then about a year ago, um, the old, uh, talent coordinator, uh, left and I, um, uh, was asked uh, to replace him. And initially I, I said, absolutely not. And they asked me again. And I said, no, again, why no? Oh, I did. I, I knew how difficult, what a headache it was. I mean, I, I got a taste of it in Tempe mm-hmm. when I was, uh, managing over there. And I, um, had a lot of comics because it's you, you yeah you work at these so you're the talent 
coordinator or the, the booker. You, you're Artistic the booker. director. You're the director uh, <laughs> over here at the improv. So, you know, the structure is different at the other, at the improvs versus the, the comedy store or, or here even uh, where the um, it's, it's a MC and that's usually a local guy. Mm-hmm. And then you have the feature who traditionally, I think for the most part, I maybe half and half. Are there. you talking about the road clubs right now? Yeah. The road. Yeah, club. Yeah. Sorry about that. The road club. So like in Tempe, so I have to deal with uh, a lot of, that was my first taste of what it was like to be a booker where you have a lot of local comics, be, you know, asking and, and just kind of up your ass about getting a MC gig or a feature gig. And, uh, I, I, I was never a big fan of saying no, it's I don't like worst. saying no, I hate it. Uh, I, I don't like, um, yeah, some people get off on it. Some people I think are, are really, um, they take to the position for the same reasons that I, I, I have a hard time with it. Great. I and mean, we've always been kindred spirits in that way. Yeah. I built a reputation as a nice guy. Exactly. And now I have to say no every day. Yeah. And it's interesting that um, you initially said no when they first offered me the job. Because I started in the lab, mm-hmm. which was kind of a little ulti side room. Right. And that was, you know, very creative and fun. And it was not the stand-up comedy club world. Right. And I got to know it. But when they offered me the job, I, I, I needed a week. And I had enough people tell me I was crazy. Like when you offered the job to book the Hollywood Improv, you take it. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad I did. And I've learned a lot. But I understand that instinct. Oh, yeah. So you they, know, they begged you. A fantastic opportunity. I knew that um, I knew it was really important. And, and I had been at the, the comedy store for, almost, for I think about four and a half, maybe four or four and a half years at that point when they initially offered me the, the, the job of a booker. And at that you know, after, after about four years, you, you really, you care about the place and you, yeah, you, you it's really, a family. yeah, it is, it is a family. So, um, I saw some of the, uh, resumes coming in and some of the people they were potentially considering, uh, to replace, uh, the old, uh, booker. And I just knew that it would, it would be a, me- it would, it would be ugly. Cause I don't think that any of the, those people they were considering really n- not to talk, talk bad about them or, or to discount discredit, uh, their, their talents or their, uh, experience. I just think that they, every club's wildly different, mm-hmm. you know that. And I think that, um, the comedy store in particular, um, has a real, uh, a real feel. There's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a family. It's a close knit community, just like the improv. They're just, they're just different. And I, and I didn't want, um, to, to potentially damage what made the comedy sport special much as I'm sure you would, um, work as hard as you can to preserve what makes the improv so special. Tell me, tell me like, did anyone train you? Or did no, they just kind I mean, of throw you in the fire? And yeah, I, like I said, I worked at the improv for about seven years, and I've I've been around. You know, I've I've absorbed comedy like a sponge for as long as I can remember, and uh, and I think working in the comedy clubs as long as I have, and just seeing show after show, comic after comic, I think that uh, seeing the lineups over every night, you know, uh, for years on end, that you really get a feel. You can kind of get a get an understanding of what it's all about and how to. Um, I watched Tommy pretty closely and I, mm-hmm. and I could see his lineups and I know that he learned a lot from Mitzi. So, uh, you look at the lineups and you're like, Oh, I can, after w- looking at the lineups on paper and then seeing them unfold in real time, night after night, mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you, you start to form an understanding of why some of the, why he made some of the decisions he did concerning the lineup specifically. Like, Oh, I could see why you would, uh, follow him with her or vice versa. Or, you know, um, someone told me, who is it? Uh, Tommy, I think used to say it. And Argus really hammered the point home when I first took over that Mitzi used to create the line, uh, lineups and look at it as a, a blank canvas. And, and mm-hmm. she, I, 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 I think I'm way less of an artist uh, she was, and I have a lot more um, going on behind the scenes that go into the lineups when I when I create them. Mm-hmm. But I always try and keep that in mind, and I try and look at it as a canvas and and think about uh, the the show unfolding um, as I uh, place people in, in the in the position I put them in. If that does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. The comedy store has changed significantly in the last year, or at least it's felt like that from the outside. And it seems like you coming in and having some sort of 
Um, or let me ask you, did you have some sort of plan in place to kind of revamp it or change the, the vibe? Well, no, I think, I think it's, I think it's, it's sort of misleading to a lot of people they'll come up and they'll say that. And, uh, thank you, by the way, I really appreciate that, but I don't, um, I think it's so many different things. I think that it's, um, again, I, he was, I never had a problem with, with Tom. I mean, we'll talk the elephant in the room here. Everyone knows it's Tommy. Um, Tommy and I always, we got along for the most part. I mean, almost, I can't remember any real problems I had with Tommy because I didn't have to deal with them. You know, I understand why a lot of comics had a lot of problems with Tommy. And I think once the transition, once the dust settled, I think that a lot of those comics, or most of them, I don't want to speak for everyone. and, And this is just my opinion. I think a lot of the comics that had a problem with Tommy, blamed Tommy mm-hmm. for where they were at in their careers or their were, were just in life, I guess. And, and I think once they realized that all these spots didn't magically appear once Tommy left, I think those people probably realized that, that he, you know, he wasn't the, the, the reason for, um, I don't know. They're no, that totally makes sense where they're at in their careers and their comedy or, or whatever. And I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to name names or I'm not trying to belittle anyone. It's just, you know what it's like. There's so many people in this industry and there's so few spots available. At, at well, one thing clubs. I've, I've always envied about the store versus the improv. And one of the main differences is that we don't have a pass system here. Oh, yeah. We are, an industry club. That's awesome. And so, well, well, they're both, there's, they're there's both good pros and cons to both. The pro to me that I, I envy is that you have a list of comics that are past that can get up. Yes. And that's it. Right. And, but then I also have a list of development comics. Mm-hmm. So, and there's two different paths you can pass someone uh, to be a paid regular, mm-hmm. and then you can pass someone to be a non-paid regular. So I have, I see what you're saying, but uh, I, I still have to say no to everyone right. um, to spots at one point or another. And I'm sorry. And I didn't even answer that question. I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent. I guess what I was saying is that there's so many people that come into play to the, um, the way the landscapes changed at the store in particular. And I think that uh, these consultants came in and they brought in this, this gentleman, Eric Anderson, who took over as a general manager and his strengths are, uh, he he's so good at what he does and he is um has just been invaluable to uh making the the place run smoother and putting things into place and policies into place and structure and um and really cut down cost he's he's been great at what he does and that's something that i wasn't particularly strong i didn't have that much experience at and he has a ton so with him coupled with um, me bringing in a lot of the people that I wanted to bring in um, who I felt should have been passed a long time ago. Um, I think that helped. Well, like, like David Spade was never passed for some, which is insane. Yeah. It is just insane to me. I mean, he's an icon and he's still writing new material and it, and he really has me in stitches every time. Oh, me too. I'm, I know he performs here more than, than anywhere. So I think that, yeah, you understand what I'm talking and about. What are the politics of you? Do you have to go to a board or someone and say, David Spade's never been passed. How do we get him? In? Initially, I did. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he was the first person I passed. And it was just such a, I hate the phrase no-brainer, but it, 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 I've never seen a clear case of a no-brainer oh, yeah. in my life. Um, but then you have, so what people don't realize is that um, where Tommy had free reign to do whatever the hell he, he wanted. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that is a, like, I'm not trying to put him down and I'm just saying, that's just the fact mm-hmm. where he didn't really have to answer to anybody. And he didn't, he could do whatever he felt. And he was big on feel and the buildings feelings. And you're not uh, big on feelings. No, I, I, I am. I am, but I have so much more to consider. I have to, I have, um, I have to make lineups, um, Oh, you have a Lucrative. I, yeah, exactly. Well, so I guess that's I, the part I'm more of, yeah. concerned. I, I'm equally concerned with um, trying to put up people that I feel are um, comedy store esque. I think that that offer bring something to the table uh, that other comics at, at other clubs wouldn't. So I think that there's there's a certain you know you have the, your Sam Kinnison's and and the late night at the comedy store. It, it I was like a 
I'd never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first came in, and that was some of my my favorite moments uh, were were late night at the comedy store, and it's just a circus. I think that's actually a, a quick segue is um that the store, and that's part of the reason you're the first guest is that we have such a symbiotic relationship Absolutely. and such a mutual admiration. Definitely, just to expand on that a little bit is what you guys do in developing comedians, um, and it's I've gotten to understand the club structure in LA a lot more. You know, the, the improv is, is the showcase club where mm-hmm. you come to do your polished stuff right. in theory. Not that we don't have workout <laughs> shows and, and right. stuff like that, but you're doing the, the heavy lifting of just, you know, training these people to do their thing. Right. And so, and Rita Piazza, who will be a, our GM, a guest very soon. Nice. Um, I love her. She's so always just much. sung the praises because um, we wouldn't be what we are without you. That's such a, I, and it's, it's such a great point. And you've, and you really articulated that expertly. I think oh, okay. that that's absolutely true. And Mitzi, it, if you'd noticed on the hill in the parking lot above where, where the house is, um, it says, uh, main room, original, uh, main room, belly room workout. Mm-hmm. And, um, the OR, she always considered the workout room and that's where, yeah, the heavy lifting, it's a gym. And I, I try and keep that intact. I, I never, I, I always I spend a lot of my time just trying to do whatever I can to um, keep Mitzi's uh, integrity and her original vision intact as as much as possible, while also doing what I can to add my own, um, you know, my own signature on. Yeah, the I think that's very stuff. evident then, in the last year. But then I have to consider, yeah, you know, my employers who need to see. So my first goal goal was to increase the numbers. And so I did that by making the strongest lineups as, as I could, as possibly could, um, and just pack it with big draws and, and headliners and such. And once I got past that, then I had to keep, uh, I have other employers who, um, who are trying to, you know, who like to get their people totally. um, across and I have to, I have, it's not my club. So I think of course that's I have to such a good thing to focus on for a minute for listeners that are comics that don't quite understand it. When I was yeah. starting in comedy, I had no perception of that, but these are businesses yeah. that need to make money Absolutely. to keep their doors open. Definitely. And we have bosses. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've seen comics come in and they, they'll, you know, look through all the lineups by the way, when they look through the lineups, all they see is that their, their name is not on it. Exactly. They don't see Joe Rogan, David Spade, whoever <laughs> right. it is. Right. All they see and is if their the name is on it. Up. They're not. They're. Like, Why am I going up at this time? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah how a comic thinks. Yeah. Um. But it helps me, and um. I explain that to young comics all the time. Is like, you know, we have directives, the politics, and making sure um, here and probably more so than you is making sure the industry is happy. Meaning getting their clients up. Um, for showcases and stuff like that. Yeah, but, that's got to be. That's something I have to deal with a lot less than than you do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what is your stance with the industry? I I definitely I know what it used to be, mm-hmm. and I know that um, I always thought that that it would be incredibly. Ben- I thought it would be way more beneficial to us to to w- welcome industry with open arms. I think it would. It certainly would help uh, our younger comics. So I feel I just look, look before I took the job and, and the biggest, one of the biggest reasons I was hesitant and apprehensive to accepting the, the job was because I knew that um, I would lose a lot of, and I'm going to do air quotes friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I knew it and I didn't, I don't think I was ready to accept the fact that a lot of these people probably weren't my friends who I thought were. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that would eventually that was inevitable and that realization would suck and it has, and it's every day I start to, you know, yeah. see more and more. I get that. But then, you know, it's that old cliche and then you find out who your friends truly are, but that's true. And it's real. No. Um, and this job forces you. I mean, I was always a people pleaser Yeah. to this day. I am. I want, yeah, I want to like me. I know, but it's forced me like it's forced you. Like there's no getting around it. No. You can't make anyone happy. They no. say you can't make everyone happy. In this job, you can't make anyone happy. No. Fact. People are happy for the 10 minutes they're on stage when you book them or yeah. 15 minutes or whatever it is. Right. But even then, that comes with a chip no, on the shoulder. But there's always something. There's always something they're not happy about. Why am I not doing 30 minutes? Right. Why am I going up at 10 o'clock and not 10.15? Why am I following this person? Yeah. Why are you not passing my friend? Right. Why aren't you giving my opener more spots? And, and that's like a whole everybody other- Everybody has their own horses they're backing. 
a whole other angle too is yeah. comics, especially big ones. I get emails all the time from people I love that Constantly. are regulars and they're and like, I respect them. Can you hook up this young yeah. comic? And that's just another pressure. Yeah. Shit, I want to make them happy. Not only young, but old, like, you yeah. know, Hey, this guy, you know, hasn't worked in a while. And I, he was my um, mentor or whatever. Right. And then it's like, that's when it comes into play. And you understand where you, you just kind of have to go across the board and just be like, it's a tricky thing, man. You really have a, you have a real fine line. You want to, you have to walk because you don't want to, <sighs> I respect these guys so much. And these, and these women so much that, that ask that of you sometimes and you just have to try and maintain your integrity and do what you and just always do what you feel is right. So I'll always say the same thing. Hey, I'll put them up on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always watch, like, I, I'm always going to be familiar with somebody, uh, set before I just flat out say no. So mm-hmm. that's why I always try and, uh, have them go up on Monday bef- and, and watch them. Mm-hmm. And if they blow me away, but they really have to blow you away because these totally. spots are so precious, man. They're so few. And I already have the people in the system. Um, the majority of them are furious at me as it is because they've gone from four spots a week to two right? or, you know, two to one or one to none. How do you, do you have a, a tactic? Are you always yeah. super upfront? Uh-huh. Have you gotten better about that? In the last I, year? I, from day one, I've always been, uh, it say what you will about me. I'm not perfect. I'm far fucking from it. No, I've got them. I mean, we both know that. Look at that um, jean jacket. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. And your um, hair. Perfectly. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, no, I mean, but, but I will, I always try and be as honest as possible, but there's a huge difference between being honest with someone and straightforward and not blowing smoke up someone's ass or beating around the bush mm-hmm. and being hurtful. Right. And I don't want to, um, it takes a lot for me to, flat out tell someone I don't find them funny because mm-hmm. I know that's the worst thing you want to hear is a, it's like a chef. You tell a chef that you don't like their cooking. That's their right. thing. That's it. What else do they have? That's, that's their livelihood. That's what they're most passionate about. So, um, unless my back's against the wall and you're forcing me, I, I'll, I'll say, I unfortunately don't have spots for you. And if, and if I, I might, then I'll tell them, hey, keep calling in. And yeah. if it works out one week and I have a lot of people out of town, absolutely. And so that's, that's in theory, that's past comedians. Yeah. So if you're a past, there's no guarantee. No. Never. No. No. There's certain people that get every spot they call in for. Sure. And there's certain people. So what I do is every week I take all of the availability. So How I many is that? You know how that works? Do we do it the same way? I don't know if we do. but I think you have a, a more archaic system people actually call in right yeah. yeah i mean there's certain people will call out but most people call in and then um the phone guys will call the stragglers people who don't call in just to check to see mm-hmm. if they're available and, and how many people is, are on this list oh god there's pages yeah pages um like hundreds of people yeah and I mean, you're phone calling all of them wall uh yeah so they call so we scheduled a second tour so we have two phone guys in the morning and then another one in the afternoon shift on Monday and they call in their availability for the week. And then I come in on Monday night and I take a look at that list and I write Tuesday and then I write every comic that calls in their Tuesday available, available on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And then I go through and I'll put a little star next to any name who is a, would I would consider to be a a big draw or incredibly funny. Um, So like for instance, I'll name, I don't care. I'll name names. So it's like yes. Rick Ingram mm-hmm. uh, is is not a big draw. Um, I, I wish he was, and I'm working on it. I'll do whatever I can. Yeah. But he's one Love of the – everybody has their few that are like, God, this guy really deserves it. Or Fahim Anwar, you know, sure. he's he's going to – I feel like it's it's real soon for Fahim. Oh, he's going to break. He's, yeah. he's so great. Um, so it's like those people I would not consider a big draw yet, but I would consider um, – the cream of the crop totally. And so I put a star next to them. And then other than that, uh, it's just the Dillias and the Rogans and the Marins, the big draws mm-hmm. spades. So then I take a look at the lineup and there's certain people you can't put up past 11. Right. So I'll go through and I'll do the lineup and I'll do the same thing for each day. Just like I explained for Tuesday, if that, I don't know if that made any sense, no, but totally. then I'll go down the list of, of names in the availability sheet and I'll put a little, 
tally mark next to each one of their names that got a spot that day. Then I'll do the same for Wednesday. And then at the end, I'll look through and I'll check the tallies and I try and keep it even where there I have my three spot guys. And then I have, um, well, she's, uh, she gets two a week. So I have to make sure she gets two, but Mm he, um, needs to get at least three, but he only got two. So then I have to mix and match and, that's the painstaking part, and that's the part that that it, <laughs> I don't want to. Well, how do I say? All right, so well, how long? I had process? a bar mitzvah. I think I'm allowed to say this. Well, was, um, was there a theme uh, to your bar mitzvah? I consider it's a lot like a a uh, a much more shallow version of the end of Schindler's List, where it's like, <laughs> oh, two spots. I could have got two spots for this guy, or three spots for this woman. So it's like my list. That's my little list. And well, how long does that process take? And that's uh, once a week? It takes hours. It takes two or three hours. I just want to be fair. I want to be fair, but then I also have to try and do what I think is right. And then I also have to make sure that this employer gets his people that he wants on the lineup. Mm-hmm. And then I have to make sure that this employer is happy and can um, smile on the way to the bank mm-hmm. every week. And then I have to make sure <laughs> that I have, uh, you know, Every demographic is try, uh, try and keep them represented. Totally. Um, so there's so much involved. That's, that's such a good way of explaining it to a lot of people. I yeah. mean, that's, it's insane, that balancing act. Yeah. And you're doing a great job. Uh, it's, it is what it is. I look at those lineups at the store, and well, I'm envious. I can't tell you. Like, I sincerely appreciate it, especially coming from you, because you know how much I respect you and what you do. But I think that um, it depends on who you ask. You'll say you'll say the lineups are great and I'm doing a great job and there's going to be just as many people that are saying that that are uh, have the opposite thing to say and that's just the way it is and I, it took me a long time to accept it I don't know if I fully accepted it but I think every day I'm getting closer to the I don't really care do you I, I can't do you sleep at night I was just going to say it's hard <laughs> um, do you, no not much I will just not randomly like throughout the day or in the night I'll just a comic will appear in my brain oh, and I'll be like yeah. fuck I haven't Constantly. written them in a month yes. Okay. Yeah. And then I'll wake up and then I'll hit the emails and then I'll say, Hey, why, why the fuck aren't you booking me? And how many I'll, emails do you get a day? Oh, I mean, <laughs> and how do you track them? Uh, I teach me cause I still, oh, it's been five years no, and you, I still can't do teach it. Teach me. I mean, look at this. Where's my, you can just look at the numbers here. Um, oh, it doesn't come up on my phone for some reason. Oh, well, uh, it used to show you, I have so many unanswered and un. um, I try and answer every email and Good I've been for told you. I'm crazy. I, well, I, um, my but first, I don't want, yeah. I, I prefer doing Everybody has their own way, but I know I'm going to see these people within the next 24 hours or seven days. And I prefer to, as opposed to just ignoring, I know I'm going to have to, you know, conf- be confronted or confront this person eventually. So I figure I might as well just right out the gate. And well, that's why honesty is important. I want to be honest. Um, but here's, that was my first couple of years too. Uh-huh. And this is advice I would oh, give maybe you. I'll, maybe I'll get to where you're no, at No, maybe now. you're a much better human being oh, than me. no, that's not true. But um, I wish someone told me that there's not enough time in a day to yeah. do what I need to do for this club and return every email because I get hundreds and hundreds. And I email everyone back the first couple of years until the point where now it's like, Oh, see, now I cannot. I just no. don't. And I feel bad. I might see them and I'll just, hopefully it won't come up. <laughs> I, yeah, I take it back. See, um, there are certain people I think I finally got, I'm starting to get to where you're at now. Mm -hmm. So this is the first year. Um, so now I'm slowly, I've slowly stopped responding to actually it's been months now where I don't respond to the people where if I haven't heard of you or, um, you know, Hey, I'm from such and such state and I've, you know, uh, whatever, if you're on the open mic circuit, I used to tell people like, Hey, yeah, come and sign up at six o'clock. Right. But if they're just like, yeah, book me and I don't know who you are and you're not in this comedy store system. I, I don't have time to respond. Yeah. And it's not, and I'm not trying to be a dick. It's just like what you said. I don't have the time. No, I, I think that's an important point to get across to any comics that are listening is that, you know, to any booker of anywhere, like they're, they're getting dozens yeah, and hundreds of emails a day. And it's not personal. It really isn't. And the same way when I'm reaching out to the biggest names, if I don't hear back, um, I'm not taking it personally. Exactly. If I'm reaching out to Louis C.K.'s people and I don't hear back ever, well, he's a busy guy. Yeah, exactly. And, but I mean, comics take everything personally. Oh, definitely. uh, But it never is. 
Um, well, maybe sometimes it is. Uh, which leads to another point. It's just um, how many, how much do you uh, have to deal with like persistent people? I mean, obviously a lot. And, um, and assholes. That's perfect that you, <laughs> that you led right into that. Cause that's what I was just going to say is that everybody has their, I know Mitzi believed um, that, she really was big on persistence and people that would uh, keep pushing, but it was a much different time. Mm -hmm. There weren't as many comics. There weren't, it's like, uh, I appreciate tenacity as much, but, but it's, a it gets really annoying after a while because if look, if you're really, really funny, I'm in there every Monday. I see a lot of comics go up. Um, and then I have people in my ear. It's like, um, I'll either hear about it from someone else that I respect mm -hmm. or I'm just going to have to take notice on my own based on your talent alone. Mm -hmm. But if you're a self promoter and that's how I have to find out about it, chances are a, you're not that great because 99% of the time, that's what, that's what it turns out to. And I don't want to sound cold or callous. That's just the way I've, that's the way I've seen it go. And it's weird because you're taught um, in every field in this country is like, you got to go for it. Yeah, and I can tell when I get that email from someone that just wrote read like some inspirational book. Also, at the beginning of every year, everyone's like, "This is the year I'm going for it." Right, I'll get my emails or, or twice yes. as much. And I, I respect that, and I, I that's another art to that. And there are a handful of people that are persistent, and if you have the talent to back it up, exactly, I get it. then it's great. But uh, the way it's the way I've found it to be is that that's not the case. I think that. Um, I thought a lot of these people are just starting out and they just need to, they, I, I tell this, I, t I say the same thing to everyone. I think that it's the best thing to do is to go up as much as possible. And if you're passionate about it, um, then you'll stay, hopefully stay passionate about it. Mm -hmm. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But I think that it's important to go up as much as possible, but there's so many different clubs and there's so many different rooms. There's so many different bars right now. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the comedy store is just one club yep. and I don't have that many spots available. I have none. Um, so because of that and because things have changed so drastically, and I think that the, the, the market might be a little oversaturated at the moment. It's crazy right now. How many shows yeah. there are every single night? And it's not just the state. Like I, you know, I came from, I, I moved out to Arizona and I lived out there for 10 years and just hearing about all the clubs that have opened up just since I've moved five years ago is insane. Yeah. So it's not just this market. Um, comedy it's a big boom right now mm -hmm. and that's fantastic but there's a lot of people that are trying to become comedians and i think that naturally the um i think nature you know it's just nature has a way of separating the wheat from the chaff on its own i don't think i know it comedy subjective i'm just one guy i'm just one it's just that's an true. opinion i'm not and and i think that's what separate and again i don't want to talk shit about tommy because i've never I never had a problem with the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was a character. I thought it was, uh, he made me laugh. Um, and I worked, I got along really well with him. Mm -hmm. uh, we were wildly different though. Um, he wouldn't agree. I'm sure he wouldn't agree with 90% of the things that I, uh, decisions I've made. And I didn't agree with most, uh, a lot of the decisions he made. <laughs> but um, I agree with a lot of the things he said and a lot of his views. Um, not you know, not a lot of the, uh, um, controversial ones, but a lot of the views on comedy, mm -hmm. I, I could understand. And I, and I, well, he really set the table for you to do what you're doing, which is absolutely. Um, so absolutely. Gotta... But, um, I think that the, the way we differ is that I, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm going to tell someone right out the gate. Um, and I'm not saying he, he was dishonest with people, but I can't tell you how many goddamn comics came up to me the week or month after Tommy left and I took over that said, Tommy, look me square in the eye. He told me to my face that I was next to be passed. And I scores like over 20 for sure. Yeah, that's probably, crazy, yeah. probably closer to 30 people realistically came up and said the same thing. And I'm not saying there's a chance that some of them may be dishonest. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think that he probably did, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say, I don't be discouraged by anything I say. If you, it's meant to be, it's meant to be, but I want you to just keep going, go at it as hard as you can be passionate, stay passionate, work on your craft. 
Um, and I'm just going to continue to do what I feel is right. And I don't want anyone to take that personal. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just one guy's opinion. Well, and it's also worth mentioning the turnover rate at the clubs. And when I, when I started booking the main room almost four years ago, my boss told me, look, the shelf life of your position is two years. That's when people are (laughs) either burnt out or, um, they're scooped up by another company or, so I've already almost doubled that, which I can't believe. Um, but there is this turnover (laughs) And remembering now when I transitioned, same thing, you know, dozens of emails and people coming up saying, um, or even like a year later, like, you know, when, uh, Emily or Eric was booking, like I would get up like twice a week and yeah. now they haven't been up in years. Same story. Same story. And that there's always going to be that turnover. So mm-hmm. for, for comics to remember, definitely a, if, if there's a new booker at, at your club, give them some breathing room or her. Um, and, um, let them kind of figure things out. And that brings up one of my, the biggest words I deal with every day and it's entitlement. Yes. That's my, that's, that's my biggest, I hate, again, I, I hate pet peeves, you know, my biggest pet peeve. It's, it's, I think that's the number one word. That is, that is the thing I hate more than anything. When anyone Um, comes to me with uh, any sort of entitlement, I, um, immediately put them at the bottom of the list. Thousand percent agree. God damn, I agree with that. When I first started, and this is another tip, I don't think most people are doing it, but it's happened like three or four comics um, that they've called or they've come up to me like, look, I'm looking at some of these lineups and you know, they're not that great. I'm better than that. I gotten more brash um, in the last year or so where I'll just be like, well, first and foremost, the tact of telling me the lineups that are being booked at the club that I book aren't great is uh, just not very tactful. Yeah. Um, But, um, just the, everyone, and I get it, you know, like you're good. You, you had a TV credit and five years ago yeah. and, and I also get it. Like there's the ups and downs of this industry and I always try to be artist friendly and, and, and I get it. But as soon as you come at me with, um, I deserve this and I'm better than what I'm getting. Yep. Done. Same. God damn. We get the same emails. Uh, one <laughs> example I'll give to that. To see, I have to see him tonight. Actually, I don't think I've seen him since this email. Um, similar story. Guy had been kicking around for a while. Never really got to that high tier. Was respected in the comedy community. Mm-hmm. Made some movies and did some TV spots and stuff like that. I was never a big fan. Uh, personally, I was never a big fan of his comedy um, or what what he his set. Um, and uh, he wouldn't get a lot of spots. He'd get a spot once every month or two, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I did with a lot of these these comics, um, out of respect to the time they put into the club, and just I was always told to, to respect my elders anyway, and I try to do that as much as possible until I get to a point where, yeah, just like you said, where if you're coming at me a certain way, I don't give a fuck anymore at this point um, yeah, well, but just, yeah they uh sent me an email and they did th- that tactic i hate which is uh oh th- some of the other comics i try and at least send down to la jolla and maintain that uh because we have at least that outlet mm-hmm. just like you probably have you know to send to other improvs across the the country that's our la jolla so for for the record uh, no Oh, okay. Okay. Well, otherwise I'll get a million emails. We have that at saying, least. Book me in, uh, but again, it all comes down to money. And if yeah. they're not drawing in La Jolla, eventually that well's going to run dry. I mean, you, you can't roll, you can't, you can't rest on your laurels and keep doing the same stale set you've been doing since the eighties and expect to just because of loyalty, just because it's not even loyalty. It's just, um, uh, you're a senior member of the staff. Yeah. You have seniority almost, and you deserve the best shifts, but you're just going to come here and slack and talk shit to, you know, it's like, exactly. And, and you would, that's entitlement. And then yep. the other, and so this, this particular comic, uh, sent me a long email. Um, yeah, just like that. And then would throw all the, I seen the lineup. I'm better than this person, this person, throw all these other comics under the bus, which is huge for me. I oh, hate yeah. that almost more than anything. Don't, yeah, do it based on your ability. And, and if you want to make a case, plead your case, but don't throw all these other people under the bus because mm-hmm. a, I obviously don't agree with you because, I'm putting them on the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, it's just, it just makes you look bad. Um, and then he signed it with, uh, fuck you, you ignorant. Cunt. I was just going to say, fuck you. But that's even worse. And <laughs> that was his sincerely. And then was baffled. Uh, yeah, I think after a, a, a few days, uh, I tried to apologize, but then was baffled why I wouldn't uh, book him anymore. And it's like, you can't, Call someone an ignorant cunt. And then just, I, like, I, look, I probably wasn't, I wasn't going to book him again anyway, but 
that's uh that's just my fun little story i'd love to if i didn't i'm not a bit i'm not big on on um naming names and and doing all that shit but if i was i'd have a hell i'd i'd really love the coffee table book of some after we're done after we're done (laughs) we'll name some names (laughs) it's uh yeah it's been a real uh wild yeah and well just say like especially i mean a lot of the comics from the 80s and 90s and it's like you just have to be an artist and really grow and and be getting up a lot especially right. it's less of an issue maybe for you but here it's like i get avails from and sometimes it's you know people that are actors or actresses sure. and, and they have their own sense of entitlement like oh, i'm yeah. on a show yeah um so but um, i don't care if you're not a professional comedian exactly. getting up five six seven nights a week that's what we want here pros bringing the best yeah once every month or two you have that that real wild card some actor it's usually the same level or <laughs> mm-hmm. or uh yeah, they have that same sort of mentality, and uh, oh yeah, yeah I, I'm not going to name names, but you get it. Well, let um, me ask you this: like at here, I have so few spots, yeah. And there's, you know, we have our, our kind of a regular rotation, of course. kind of, yeah. Um, but when a comic goes up, and I am able to, you know, throw a bone, or it's like I have an empty spot, and someone doesn't bring it, um, there is a lot more pressure here. Yeah. Where if this is your chance, and did you bring it or not? And it's not like make or break. I know that there's good audiences and not as great audiences, and right, you know the 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 context of the room can affect your set. But um, I always want to see someone you know do their best and bring it. And so it's important, at least here, uh, to you know deliver a great set and, and be a professional. Like at the store, if someone has a, an off night, does that like greatly affect them? Not necessarily here. So I'm more concerned with other things because. Um when I, I throw this proverbial bone that you're speaking of, like that's, I think here it's wildly different um, than the store because uh, you're going to be giving them a, a, a spot like those bones that I can throw out once in a while, mm-hmm. they'll occur towards the end of the line. I won't, I don't have a, I don't ever have, Oh, I got it. Sure. I got this 1030. Yeah, spot that's a good point. Up. Yeah. So it's like at the store, since we run till 2 AM, those spots occur at the end of the night when it's 1.30, 2 a.m. So I'm not expecting anyone to be killing at that point. Right. All I'm expecting is for someone to be appreciative um, and to, um, yeah, just use the room as a workout room. Because there's mm-hmm. always, even if even if there aren't a lot of people left, like you can do your best to try and make sure that those people, they're, they're, they're staying around because they want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not, you know, making them keel over laughing, at least do something interesting or work something out or try something or, or yeah. Yeah. Like, and I keep bringing up Kinnison, but you know, people like that, that, that are doing something different and unique and working, using the room the way it was originally intended and Mm -hmm. as a workout room. Um, then I guess that's all I'm really concerned with is don't go up there and just shit all over the spot and be like, this is bullshit. I only get up at this time. And then it's like, I'm in the back of the room. I'm like, well, what a waste. Yeah. Why am I doing this? We have, again, like lists of hundreds of comics that would die for this opportunity. Yeah. So it and really does sad. become I mean, like, it's sad. I wish I did have more spots available. Cause I know, look, I know it's not, I'm not doing you this huge favor, but if you want me to be honest, those are the, those are the spots that are reserved the yeah when i have one or two available and it's rare mm-hmm. um i give it to the people that that i know are going to be appreciative of it and cool as fuck and yeah just cool yeah um exactly a thousand percent that's exactly right and going back to the entitlement thing or anything like when when you have such a volume of comics yeah that want to get on the stage and you know so many of them are awesome cool people and appreciative um and some of them do deserve to get up all the yeah. time because they're relevant and they're they're gonna kill every time, and they can it's, you know here you still might not get up, you know months every couple months, right, or and less. There are so many people that fit that criteria, I think, and I sh- and I want to give those people more spots, but it's like they're in that they're in that mid zone where right. it's, they're not they're not quite at that point yet of the people from the eighties that are just. There, it didn't happen for them. It just is what it is, mm-hmm. and they need to. You know they're in, uh, they're at that time and yeah, the twilight. I don't know how you. I guess I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to be. I, I'm not trying to be a dick about it. I'm just trying to be realistic. Where there's those 
comics that it didn't work out for him for whatever reason. Maybe they were close. It's like the scene in Pulp Fiction, you know, mm-hmm. with, when he, when Marcellus Wallace is talking to Bruce Willis. He came close. You didn't quite make it. Right. You, know, you almost did, but it didn't work out. Um, I think there's a lot of comics that fit that criteria, and a lot of them don't want to accept it, or maybe they will hit it. I think it's rare. At this point, the odds are against them, but it happens once in a while. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, the, the few spots I have available, they had their shot. So mm-hmm. it's like those are going to be for um, the – the, the comics who have been recently passed either mm-hmm. by Tommy or myself over the last two, maybe three years mm-hmm. who deserve their shot. Just like you had, you know, just like when you were past six or seven years ago, um, you got your time to develop as a comic at those in, in those later spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why those spots are reserved for them. And that's why it was a real, that was one of the hardest things I had to do. But when I came in, and those guys that were past seven or eight years ago who aren't really doing anything right now and just kind of treading water, mm-hmm. um, uh, those guys went from two or one spot a week to none because I had to make sure since I brought in Spade and Rogan and yeah. uh, Joey Diaz back and Madrigal and Greg Fitzsimmons and Anthony Cheselnik and all those guys uh, and uh, Nikki Glazer and, and um, Godfrey and all these people – it ate up a lot of spots. Totally. Um, so I had to, I had to get those spots from somewhere. So what, um, the, this idea of, um, relevancy too, and, and comedy is booming and there's so many outlets too. Another thing that happens is, you know, there's a lot of TV shows and web series and things that showcase. Yeah. There's so many different ways for you to, to catch a following and, and it's like I, I I really respect a lot of these people that understand that, and I think a lot of them do that. They are they realize how important it, it can be to to be a, have an online presence and to to just try it, throw it, throw everything against the wall, see what sticks. You never know what's going to hit, totally. Uh, what's going to go viral, and that can help. And this brings up one final point: okay. is um, the idea of undeniability. Yeah, which is the Steve Martin uh, quote: "Just be undeniable." Exactly. And you know, there's no magical formula for that. But there will always be a groundswell. And I, the example that comes to mind is Gerard, where yeah. two, two and a half years ago, it was like, of, yeah, if he wants to go up, we're putting him up. Because he's undeniably right now um, important and doing innovative stuff, and people want to see him. I remember the first time uh, I saw Burr come through the improv, and he was... I think he was the first guy to go up on the Charlie... It was Charlie Murphy mm-hmm. and Donnell Rawlings and Burr. And no one knew who the fuck Bill Burr was. And I remember seeing, I was just like, holy shit. Or Jessel. I remember Jesselneck opening up for Brian Posehn being like, this guy's going to be, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be undeniable. Mulaney. I don't need these people. You know? Yeah, that's the best. And that's kind of what we were saying in the beginning, where the best way to get past the store or to get spots at the store, it's not to email me or send me a DVD or have your agent call me. Um, it's, it's, I'm going to know. Because I see yeah. you're gonna you're gonna go up on a Monday. You're gonna have your shot. Everyone's gonna get a shot to go up, and you're gonna knock. You're gonna you're gonna go up in front of the Booker, and you're gonna knock knock them on their ass, or you're not. And you might get an, you know you'll get other opportunities, or at least to grow, mm-hmm. and then get another opportunity. But that's the best way to do it. Just keep keep working at it, and then word of mouth's gonna get to the Booker. That word of mouth go is up in key front too. Of the booker? Absolutely. There, you know, people are getting up all over town. And you keep hearing the same names, and a lot of it's bullshit. A lot of it's agents and industry people just regurgitating the same names just because right. they don't want to stick out and take a chance. So you hear the same names. Well, like, there, you're yeah. not hearing the names that we say to each other. You're not hearing, you know, Fahim or Ingram or these people or you know. And I think now it's starting to be the the ones we were we were saying two or three years ago that wasn't you know Santino or mm-hmm. Theo Vaughn or these people or Costa. It's like now they're starting to come into play. Right, right. But no one in that field. A lot I of them don't that want the to industry. Take a lot of there's a few people in the industry that I very much. Uh, oh, like appreciate. Dave Becky. Like, oh, yeah. That guy's. He's not only is he one of the greatest people I've ever met, but that guy knows what the fuck he's yeah. talking about. And I and yeah. most everything I've learned. I'd say most of the things I've learned. Anything that guy says, I'm going to listen to. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with, with where he's coming from. And, you, and you know, when he looks for some the talent, he's looking for an original voice 
And, uh, you know, someone that's, so, yeah, I think that's so important because you just see the same goddamn, you know, airplane food now is TSA or, or who's going to build the wall or, or Tinder. It's like, it's the same hacky jokes. It's just, a, it's just a different uh, era. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for an original voice. That's always going to be first it. and foremost. And, and, and reminder that when you're going up around town, there will be a groundswell and people are going to talk. Absolutely. About it. It's it's a thing, and we just reopened the lab as a, sh- a showroom again, which I'm so excited about because, for me artistically, I can do a lot more stuff I want to do and, and bring in um, shows from around town and see a lot of new talent. But I've already, and we've only been open a month, seen, um, it's kind of like this thing I saw a lot before, but I didn't think as much about it, which is like we talked about before, people not bringing it or t- not taking it pr- like seriously, yeah, and seeing comics break out their notebook. And I'm not talking about Sarah Silverman. No. I'm talking about, you know, comics that's been doing it for three years. And I'm in the room now watching. And I'm like, you just broke out a notebook. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing that in, in certain shows. But you should, I'm watching you right now and not seeing them bring it. Yeah. And that, that, that's kind of, I think, a bad habit that I know from personal experience when I was doing stand up, you kind of look up to certain people. And especially in the Alti world, um, you know, there's so many comics that aren't necessarily performing. And it's just kind of cool and, and to kind of be messing around and, and not bringing it. But um, to I want to start challenging people to, you know, you got to bring it, whether you're at some small bar in Silver Lake or well, here. Yeah. Also, I think that um, uh, there's, it, it always, it always, uh, the truth always comes out, but you really kind of get a sense of like, oh, this guy's, this this person is doing comedy to get laid or this, you know, <laughs> this person just wants to be famous or, you know, you really get a good sense almost immediately of, Oh, this, she's passionate about the art or, Oh, he, he's, he's going, he's not going to be stopped. This guy, cause he loves comedy and he loves stand up. Um, but a lot of people are doing it for the wrong reasons, but eventually, um, you know, it'll <laughs> they'll get burned out or they'll stop, and then it's one more spot I have available to give somebody totally. else that deserves it. I love it. Well, let's wrap this up. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. With, well, we're not done yet. Oh, there's still a trio of questions. Oh, okay. To dig really deep. Oh shit. I am curious to know what what do you think of the term gatekeeper? Oh, for the specifically for the title of your podcast, I think it's tongue no, in no, cheek. No, no, no. I think oh, oh, well, that's fine too. I mean, I love the title of the podcast. I do too. <laughs> I love it. But um, for for you personally, like when when they bestowed that, like I, when fuck. my boss is emailing other people, it's always oh, Jamie's the gatekeeper at Melrose, and I always feel weird about that. Yeah, um, I'm self-deprecating. I'm home. I, I, I look. I'm not saying that I don't. I've, like I said, I've absorbed, I've absorbed comedy like a sponge for as long as I can remember. Um, I remember watching Andy Kaufman religiously, uh, as like five years old or six years old and not understanding why I was laughing Mm -hmm. while watching him, um, uh, lip sync to Mighty Mouse, um, years later realizing why that's funny and Mm -hmm. dissecting, but, but. I've always, I've loved comedy for as long as I can remember. And I'm just a guy. Um, yeah, I happen to, you know, you and I happen to be the people that um, uh, give, give people their spots. Um, and it is what it is. So I guess technically we're the gatekeepers, but I think times have changed. It's not like before where, you know, I love that era, just Carson show moving to Burbank from the mm-hmm. East coast and, and just the history of stand-up and, yeah. and how much that meant to get up here or the comedy store at that time in front of Carson or his people. And then they, there's that famous story, and I don't know how much truth is in it, but I love it mm-hmm. just for the – it's probably bullshit. But I love the idea, and, and I think it's, it's not so much that – don't pay attention to if it's real, true or not. I think it's, it's what – the story is about and what it says. And that is that Freddie Prince apparently went up, did stand up for the first time or whatever, one week at the store and then went up the Mitzi put him up the next night in front. And someone from the tonight show happened to be in the crowd watching. They booked him for the, the tonight show that weekend. He went up, killed and got a television deal. Like all within a week mm-hmm. or two weeks or whatever. Maybe it was a month. Maybe it was six. Who knows? But it was a different era, man. 
Well, now I feel like a comic that has any sort of anything like a year in will already have a manager and an agent. Oh yeah. And they're already working that and developing them for a 10 year plan. And definitely. And, um, I think Pat Oswalt in uh, his Montreal address a couple years ago, I don't know if you heard that. It's just, there are no more gatekeepers. And obviously (laughs) in certain places there's, there's people in our position. God, I couldn't agree with him more. It was such a, a great thing. I recommend any comic listen to that, but, um, or find the transcript online. There are the, we we have every avenue now as comics as performers as artists to put our stuff out there. Yeah, put it out there in every way you can, and create your own audience and just work towards that undeniability. Definitely, yeah. That model's gone. Yeah, so gone, long gone. Yeah, if you're relying this is the Wild West right now. If you're relying on the comedy store or the improv um, to make your career, yeah. you're putting all of your eggs in one basket. And absolutely, um, there's so many places to develop. And you'll get here, and I think you need to get to these clubs um, at some point, because by and large, I feel like you know a lot of uh, comics that are termed alty, or you know you know grew up they they all can perform at a club, yeah. and they can all perform in uh, at Meltdown and UCB. Absolutely, I think that's so huge what you just said about putting all your eggs in one basket, because all those comics for the last four or five years or however long that have been hating Tommy and holding on so tightly against their anger and fury towards Tommy. And I'm not saying that certain people don't have a valid reason to be upset. That's, that's, that's on you. But there's a lot of people for whatever reason who held on to that so tightly. And then once he left, realized that he wasn't the one holding them back. Mm-hmm. And so now they're probably, I, I would assume or might be a little confused and lost and are trying to come to terms with the fact that he wasn't the one holding their careers back. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy. Just like in five years, I'm sure there's going to be, or who knows, two years, seven, whatever it is, mm-hmm. are going to be coming to the same realization that I, I'm not the one holding you back. Yeah, I think so about, and well, I think the store more so than the improv, um, if you hang out um, and you kind of have to like you know work at the door and there's kind of a system in place. Yeah. And you can eschew that. It sounds like if you're, if you hit and you're ready to go. Well, I really need to focus on that more now that I, now that I, um, did what I had to do to, to on my end to try my best to make the club busier and to make the lineups packed and pass certain people. I need to start focusing more on bringing back the old, uh, comedy institution, the mm-hmm. uh, university, the school, the, uh, I need to try my best to try and bring that back. It's just tough because there's so few spots. Like I'd love to pass so many people right now that deserve to be passed. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately I don't have the spots. I don't have, I just don't have the spots right now to do it. So I'm trying desperately to find ways to open up more spots. And I'm doing that by creating additional shows. Like mm-hmm. I did on Saturday where we went from one to like three shows, um, two to three. So I'm trying my best to figure that out because that's an important part, and I think it got, I think it got lost in the shuffle initially. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna try to focus some effort on because that is important. Totally. Well, last last question I think. Okay. Ghosts. <laughs> Tell us about the comedy store ghosts. Well, look, I <laughs> I'm very skeptical. I've always been skeptical. I remain skeptical. I'm not gonna say that closing up the store. Uh, late at night during the witching hour at 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, by yourself in that cavernous labyrinth of a, of a tomb. That's a great description. I mean, it's, it, there's so much history. And there's so many I, nooks and places where ghosts could live. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I've had, I felt a lot of bad energy, and I've heard many stories recounted to me by, by uh, you know, people that have been there a lot longer than, than mm-hmm. you or I. Um, it's it's considered one of the most haunted places in Los Angeles, and if you're interested, you can watch. It's very campy, but it's a fun little view uh, uh, to watch. I think on YouTube, the uh, Unsolved Mysteries edition of the com- comedy oh, store edition. How old is that? Oh, it's old. They have a uh, oh. Blake uh, Blake Clark, who's been in a lot of Sandler movies. He used to be a manager there, and then Joey Gaynor, an old comic, and then mm-hmm. uh, some of the old uh, servers. It's fun. It's uh, yeah, it's campy, but um, I gotta watch that. I don't, I don't believe in it. Uh, I don't believe in ghosts. I wish I did. Um, I really do. I really wish I did. Uh, but yeah, I felt, I felt energy, I guess. So maybe sure. I do. Maybe I believe in ghosts. I haven't seen anything. I bring it up. About, uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. we had a, a team of ghost right. hunters there. I heard about that. And um, we learned that definitively, mm-hmm. Rodney Dangerfield oh. yeah. and Mitch Hedberg mm-hmm. 
live at this club. They're ghosts. Okay. I mean, that sounds like utter horseshit, but uh, that's awesome. No, I think it is. I love Rodney's probably my favorite comic of all time. It was so funny. The guy that was running it, like he kept until that point, he said, Mitch and Rodney are living in this club. Well, no, we were doing this thing and flashlights are turning on in the showroom and we're like, who's here? And we started going through a list. We're like, back up. I know we were running. We're almost, we're probably out of time here, but really quick. What? Flashlights were going on? Oh, that's how you commune with the... Oh, they were doing... I thought they were going off on their own. No, there's flashlights flashlights everywhere. And then I guess ghosts can make the flashlights uh, communicate. And did that occur? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I don't know if they had a remote control or not, but (laughs) it would be weird. I thought it was for a TV thing. and That's pretty awesome, though. It was... um, If if it was just like a, a whole ruse, like then these are like eight people that just have a lot of time on their hands and like i trust the guy uh, listen jeff jeff scott's been working there for years and he swears up and down and he he recounts a story and he tells it the same way every time um i just never saw it with my own eyes i hope i hope it's real i love i wish no, I, I hope it's real that. too and I, there's a lot of people here that do believe and i think it adds to the fun and ridiculousness of let me ask you this one of the last things. yeah um I feel like my job booking here, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm living in a sitcom <laughs> because every day I show up to this place and first of all, read our GM and, and Paige and um, DJ and everyone in the office mm-hmm. are utter characters. Yeah. And then at like five o'clock, the servers start coming in and they're their own group of characters Yeah, and the sound techs and then comics and everyone is a character. And I just yeah. feel like I'm living this crazy weird dream where on any given day we're like, oh, this is the episode where the ghost hunters come. And meanwhile... <laughs> Uh, whatever. Uh, Rita's got her date tonight, yeah. <laughs> and we're all talking about it. <laughs> Do you feel like it's like that? Story? That, by the way, that is the most perfect uh, Devo synopsis I've ever. Rita's got a date. <laughs> that would be the episode title for sure. Uh, absolutely, I feel that way. Um, yeah, for sure. This is not like working at you know at, a, at an insurance uh, department. No, every day is an insane adventure, and. There's so many uh, hardships and, you know, challenges that we deal with, but I pinch myself on any given night when, you know, you know, the biggest names are walking through the door and the the coolest things are happening on the stage. And I, I'm just having conversations till 3 a.m. With, with the best people. I'm really doing my best now that I'm starting to come to terms with the fact that I can't, the, with the fact that I can't make anyone happy or everyone happy or whatever you want to call it. And I, you know, I'm getting better with that each day. Because you have how you have how many years now? I'll have been here five years. Um, five years in so you January. Have so much more time at, to accept all that. So now that I'm now that I'm right there, I'm starting to take you know because uh, I felt like I was starting to take it for granted a little. So now I'm not as much. Oh yeah, I'm starting I mean, to enjoy it. I, I, I can tell you anything. There's waves, you know. There's um there's um months that go by where like you'll see me here three nights a week. And then like the last six weeks, I've been here every single night. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's advice I would give anyone. It's like, you know, pick your spots. I mean, you have a tougher job because you're also ma- still managing at night, right? Yeah. I'm still there at night to make sure I just want to watch the, you know, see oh, what you're you... doing then watch the development comics when I can, um, and, and see how, how they're coming along. And mm-hmm. then I got to make sure, you know, when, when people don't show up or they're late, I got to decide who's going to go up in, in their place. And if someone's going to do a pop in, or mm-hmm. if I'm going to put someone up who's there later in the lineup, uh, as a placeholder. So it's like, yeah, but then as you know, that means there's nowhere to hide. It's I'd much prefer to be there during the day where I'm not, I don't have to look all these people in the eye every night. And, you know, well, I, I, I tweeted once that, uh, booking a comedy club is a uh, 1% booking 99% Hopefully. hiding. Oh, hiding. Oh, well, um, the first one was, uh, not hiding. Was, I remember uh, that tweet. I'm sure I favored it. I think I retweeted oh, apologizing. as a matter of fact, apologizing. And then hiding was the, sequel the intangible yes <laughs> uh well then my last question and we'll wrap this up is uh how long do you see yourself there it, it, what, what is your end goal do you see yourself as a lifetime booker at the comedy store i'm not sure i don't know um i really don't know what the future holds i'm just uh i just need to work harder on god i'm so I, I must have killed these fucking cliches today but i need to live in the moment i need yeah. to work harder on enjoying uh where I'm at at the moment and just cause they always say that though. That's true. Like there's no time like the present, like anytime you, these are the, you know, these are the good old days. Mm-hmm. 
You know, every time you're like, God damn, that was a fun time. And then you're like, oh, but those, that was great. That was a great year. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is then. Two years from now, I'm going to be like, God, that was a great, that was fun. Oh my God, I had some good times that year. Yeah, I guess it is contextual. But I need to. When you're in it, you don't always see it. But after five years here, I'll be like, oh yeah, 2012. Yeah. That's kind of what that year was about. Right. And with all the you know changeover and, and employees and the comics and everything you see. So yeah, enjoy every minute of it. It's a new era. Yeah, it is an exciting in the new industry era. at the clubs everywhere. Yeah, it it truly, truly is a new era. Well, and I'm excited. It's been great chatting with you. You too, honestly. And um, if you haven't been in the store in a while, go there. Also, come here to the yeah, Hollywood Improv. Definitely. Come By the way, we're recording here at the. Uh, it's I love this space. It's we're in the like, most beautiful, enchanting um, sideshow network studios. This is. Fantastic, and I'm not just again. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Like, well, I mean, I, 100%, it's it's like a place that uh, the Crane Brothers would want to like be a <laughs> member of. That's what it feels like. It has a real Fraser feel. It's it's it's. I was wondering what the Crane Brothers oh, reference yeah. was. Is like a couple of birds. Yeah, an exclusive, <laughs> yeah, an exclusive smoke. No, this club. room, this table was in here. My first uh, six months booking the club was in this so room. You built this room around this table? This table was twice as big and it would be me working here alone with boxes and things falling apart and now it's, yeah, it's like a, a study from the 1930s. It really is. I love it to death. Um, well, on that, um, I, I, I'm going to sign off with this, which I think sums up everything we talked about. Okay. Work on your craft endlessly, be a professional, be undeniable and be cool as fuck always. For more episodes of Gatekeeper, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me online at jamieflam.com and at jamieflam on Twitter. A very special thanks to the Sideshow Network, The Hollywood Improv, Andrew Stevens, Sean Merrick, Roddy Swearingen, and producer Buddy Peace for the awesome music at the top and end of this episode. And be sure to check out hollywood.improv.com for updates on great new shows coming up in the main room and the lab.